This is what it says. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me, produced death in me through what is good. And so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For I do what I, for I want to do what I do not do, but I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not good. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. For I do what I do not want to do. It is no longer I who do it, but it is a sin living in me that does it. So I find that the law at work... When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature of a slave to the law of sin. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word, as we enter into reflection upon you, Lord, let us look to you, put our eyes on you, Let's see you. Let's feel your presence, Lord. Let all my words, Lord, be your words. Let my mind be on you. Let us understand your word so much better. Let us apply it to our life. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. And I pray all this in your name and your name alone. Amen. By the way, a guy who had a learning disorder since I was a kid, that is one of the hardest verse for me to read. I do what I do not want to do, but I do this and I do... And it's a very interesting verse, but it's a very powerful verse, right? Because this verse, this verse, I hate using the term life verse, but this verse is definitely qualifies as my life verse because this verse is what I like to call a reflection verse. A reflection verse. Because Paul, whenever I read this verse, and I read this verse when I first came to Christ at 17, right? Don't worry, the the mirror won't be up. You won't be looking at yourselves as I'm preaching. But I almost saw Paul kind of on a boat, in the waters of his mind. Because as he's trying to explain what the law is, then he kind of like spirals into his own self, his own reflection, right? He's looking into the mirror, 
He's a little tall, so. He's looking into the mirror of his own self. He's looking at himself. He's reflecting upon his life. He's reflecting on what he does daily, even though he represents God's law, even though he goes on mission journeys, right? He starts churches, and yet he reflects on himself. He sees himself as he's preaching about the law. So when you look in the mirror of yourself, right, what do you see, right? Mirror, mirror, who, who's the fairest of them all? That would be my wife, Liz. But when you look at the mirror, do you see the good you've done, right? There's a couple of different ways of reflecting upon yourself, right? Do you see everything you've done, right? And give credit to yourself. You look into yourself and you give credit to everything you've done. Since I've been here, almost two years now, I've gotten a lot of compliments, like, Adam, like, great job in the youth ministry. Adam, great job with, uh, with Soul Fire. You're growing the church. That's great. I, I appreciate that. But I look, and I definitely do not want to look in my own mirror of my own mind and see myself as good. I don't want to look in the mirror of my mind and say, wow, Adam, you did tremendous. Look at what you've done. Look at everything that you've accomplished. Look at the good that you've done. Absolutely not. But then there's another way to look at it, which Paul is doing. You look at yourself and you hate everything you see in the reflection of your mind. You wish you could. You, you wish you could say, like, wow, look at the, everything I've accomplished. Some of us in here are looking at ourselves and say, what a wretched person I am. How dare I be in this position? I'm going to be real with you. I see this in myself. Whenever I look in the uh, reflection, I see what I've done prior to coming here, prior to becoming a Christian, right? Prior to being in Christ, and I see I don't deserve this. I don't deserve any of this title. I don't want to see any good in me. Wretched man I am. I love this verse so much because he's looking at himself. He's reflecting upon himself. He's saying everything he wants to accomplish and yet fails to do so. Like I said, I don't want to make you look at yourself as I'm preaching. Unless you want to, I don't know. But I relate so much to this passage just because I want to be more like Christ. I desire to be more like Christ. And we're going to talk about what that word means, desire, right, in the original language. But it's this kind of desire, like, I do everything I can to be the good. I do everything I can to reflect in my own mind to finally tell myself what a good person I am. Do you put on that reflection at all? Do you put on a reflection of the second part saying, I just hate everything I've done. I don't deserve this. I want to go back to the passage here, and I want to go step by step with it. I, I love it because he starts off with 
trying to explain what the law is, spiritual, right? Again, he's writing a letter here. He's writing a letter to the Romans, right? And first he says a question that the Romans might be asking, right? Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. In order that sin might be recognized as sin, it has produced death in me through what is good. So that through the commandments, sin might be utterly sinful. He's trying to say that the law didn't bring death to you. The commandments didn't bring death to you. Sin brought death to you. The law was there to put a contrast on sin. It's to recognize what sin is. To put that clear label, that contrast, right? Those of you who are in graphic design, right? You know, when you, when you want to make a good... PowerPoint slide, when you want to make a good sign, right? You want colors, right, that contrast. Why do you want these colors to contrast? It's because you want that image clearly seen. You want the message clearly seen, right? If you put, like, a lime green on bright yellow, right, sure, you can see it, but it's not, like, clearly contrasted, right? I'm not going to go any further because I'm not good at graphic design, but... I don't want to pretend I'm an expert there. But it's this clear contrast so that not the commandments gave you death, but it was sin that gave you death. But through the law, sin will be utterly sinful. You will know what is sinful. But then he starts explaining, and he goes into a spiral of his own self. Not in a selfish way, but just start to say that, huh. What a wretched person I am. Let's go back into it. We know that the law is spiritual. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin, right? I start to see that nowadays in, in the modern era, 2019, we start, to see, uh, we start to see life as less spiritual as life goes on and on, right? One of the biggest struggles of youth ministry today is that facts are so important, right? The internet exists. World news exists. You, you, you are always informed. Youth are so much more informed than they were even 10 years ago. And so they rely on facts. They rely on everything that is before them, right? And so to speak on things that are spiritual, the things that are unseen, the things that, that are spiritual, not your feelings, right? Not your feelings, but something that is spiritual, something that is outside of yourself. And then Paul is recognizing his humanity. The law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Talking about his own flesh, talking about his humanity. Now we got a war going here. Now we're starting to reflect, okay, the law is spiritual, yet me, Paul, the man, am unspiritual. I am unfit. I was sold as a slave to sin. I was born into sin. I was destined for death. And so now he's starting to say, okay, maybe I'm not matching up here. 
I do not understand what I do. Now, this is where it gets tricky for me, so bear with me. For, I, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Again, right, he's starting to reflect on himself. He's saying that everything that I want to do, everything that I desire to do, all these things, I want to be more like Christ. Reflect upon yourself. What are the things that you desire to do that are spiritual, but you just cannot do? Instead, you do what you hate to do. You reflect upon yourself, and you say, I guess we got a warning. Uh, but you say, I hate what I do. And Paul is now coming into this, saying that I am unspiritual. Why can't I be more like Christ? Why can't I do this? And again, I just want to remind you again, Paul is speaking here. The greatest theologian to ever walk the earth. Paul, who met Christ. Paul, who started so many churches in so many different places. Just kept going. Was stoned to death. Thrown out of a city. And then got back up, brushed his shoulders, went off again. Paul. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Right? So then he's just starting to say that, like, everything I hate to do, I agree. I shouldn't be doing it. I agree. I agree that everything I need to do that the law is good. I so agree with it. And yet, why do I keep going back in a spiral? As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is a sin living with me. Let's pause on that, right? That's one of the, I don't want to say it's the most controversial verse. That, that's a wrong term to use. But it's a verse that a lot of people like to twist. Right? Let me read that again. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, that is sin, everything that he hates to do, everything that is his human self. It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. Just think for a second. How can people twist that? Right? Oh, I, I didn't mean to say those hateful things to you. It is the sin living with me. So what more can I do? Oh, I didn't mean to get that drunk. It's a sin living with me. There's nothing I can do. I didn't mean to hurt you in that way. I'm only human. What more can I do? I'm just a man. What more can I do? That's why people can twist it to say that it is no longer I who do it. It's the sin living in me. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just a person. Understand that Paul is not drawing a line of excuses here. He's not writing a letter to the Romans like, well, if I hurt your feelings, if I hurt you in any way, if I, uh, I don't know, kick you, like it's just sin living in me. No, it's a recognition of his need of a savior. It's his recognition 
of his need for a savior. He's not drawing a line of excuse. I am not trying to draw a line of excuses. But it's this desperate need to say that I need saving from myself. It is no longer I who control myself. It's the sin that I was born into. It's the slave of sin that I was sold into when I was born into this world. Again, he's reflecting upon himself. He's looking in his mirror saying that, I wish I could do better. I wish I could do that. I wish I could be more like Christ. And yet I can. Why? It's because the sin that's living in me. It's a sin that dwells in me. Not as an excuse, but a desperate cry for a savior. If you're saying to yourself, well, there's nothing I can do. Have you desperately cried for a savior? I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. <clears throat> for I do, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I cannot carry it out for what I want to do. There's nothing good that lives in me. Verse 20. Now if I do, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living me that does it. Again, he's reflecting upon it. I want everything that I can, but there's nothing good that lives in me. I work so hard to be more like Christ. I do everything I can, and yet everything I do, it's nothing. I try to be like Christ, but without Christ, I'm nothing special. I am not Jesus. Adam, why do you relate to this verse? My call into ministry... Very, very nerve-wracking. Because I knew that this position in ministry has a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure. Good expectation. Keep in mind, I'm not trying to say this like, oh, why do they want me to be so good? No. Good expectation, but I kind of reflect on myself to say that I'm nothing special. I'm a nobody. I shouldn't be here right now. I was not born pastor. That would be pretty sweet, but it's not. I was not born pastor Adam. I was not born into this. I didn't even grow up pastor. I didn't even spend most of my teen years pastor. And yet, I keep reflecting on myself. I'm in this position of ministry. I'm in this position to preach. I'm, a, I'm in this position to be Pastor Adam. And yet, there's nothing good that dwells in me. There is absolutely nothing good that dwells within me. And yet, I keep reflecting. I want to do everything to be more like Jesus. But there's nothing good in me. 
outside of Christ. There is nothing special about me, Adam, outside of Jesus Christ. So that's where we get into that reflection, this Savior, this need, this desire for a Lord. What does a Lord mean? A Lord over your life, someone to master you, someone to, to pull in the reins and say, stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing everything that you keep on doing, that you hate. Someone to pull in the reins and say, you need to stop. Even Paul needed this. Even Pastor Adam needs this. Every single person in this room needs a Lord, needs a Savior. Because we're all born into sin. We're all born into sin. Verse 21 reads, So I find this law at work. So I find this law, this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. This law, this sin, this fleshly law. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my members. Now, I want to explain that delight. So again, he's getting more and more powerful with his words. He, he first started to explain that, no, no, no. The law is to contrast sin. It's to contrast that sin. It's to explain deeply what sin is. And then he starts going a spiral. And he gets deeper and deeper and deeper into the own mind, right? And that's why I picture him kind of on a boat by himself in the sea, just lost. How am I going to get to land? How am I going to get out of this? Where am I supposed to go? And I want to explain this word delight because in the original context, right, it's how a husband delights with his wife. It's how a spouse delights with their spouse, right? And it's not just in a sexual manner, right? Not just that. But the way I delight with Liz, I think about her constantly. And I'm always saying, like, how can I please her more? How can I uh, stop being so dumb and actually do the dishes in the sink? I don't know. I still, I still try to this day. There's dishes in the sink right now. But... It's this delight that I have with my wife, right? Always wanted to please her. Always wanted to make her happy. Always wanted to make her laugh, right? I love Liz. I don't know if I made that clear since I've been here. I, I constantly talk about her. But that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. I delight in God's law. I'm married to God's law. I want to please God's law. I'm always thinking about God's law. I always want to do the dishes for God. No. Um, but it's this strong desire to please God. It's this strong desire. It's a strong thought to say that I love God's law. I love Jesus. I love everything about it. And yet I keep, I keep messing up. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. This is where the driving points come in. What a wretched man I am. How horrible of a man I am. Going back to the context of marriage, right? Like, there's nothing I can do to please her or constantly make her happy. What a horrible husband I am. I don't think I'm a horrible husband. 
cool. All right, but he's constantly displeasing the law of God. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched husband to the law that I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Who will rescue me from my fleshly desires? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in a sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. Thanks be to God, thanks be to Jesus who gave himself up on the cross so that we can have a new life, so that in our minds we can celebrate God's laws, so that we can constantly go forward in life just knowing that Jesus loves us and gave us a new life so long as we accept his graces. And again, he goes back to, I'm still a sinful nature, but I'm still in sinful nature to a slave to the law of sin, right? Again, this is not a line of excuse. Again, this word can be twisted to say that, well, I mean, I think about God. It's in my mind. It's a thought that counts. Isn't that right? He's trying to say that God gives him new purpose. God gives him drive. God gives him worthiness to keep serving him. Because he also recognized that there's nothing good in him. A fleshly creature. To look at yourself as saying, I'm just a person. I'm not worthy to serve God. I'm not worthy to do any of this. I'm not worthy to be Pastor Adam. You reflect upon yourself. You look in your own mirror and say, there's nothing good in me. I'm not worth it. The worst things that I hate about youth ministry, the worst things I absolutely hate is when some kids look at themselves and say, I've messed up. There's nothing I've done that is good. They look at me and they say, I'll never be as good as Adam. I'll never be as passionate as Adam. I'll never know God's word as Adam. I'll never be like this. They look at themselves and they say, there's nothing good to send me. What's the point of even trying? I say this is with youth ministry. What about in this congregation? Do you look at yourself right now and say, I'm not worth anything. There's no point in trying. I'll never be as passionate as Bob. I'll never be passionate as John. Even I'm not as passionate as John. But... <laughs> I'm not passionate as Adam. There's nothing that's good in me. You look at yourself and you say, what's the point of even trying? I want to go back to looking at ourselves right now. I want to make it clear, and I've said this over and over again, I'm just a man. I'm just a man that accepted Jesus when he was 17 and just said, Lord, just take me wherever you want. I don't care anymore. Because if you knew me, <clears throat> if you knew me when I was younger than 17, about from the ages of 10 to 17, you'd be very worried for my future. You probably wouldn't bat an eye. You're, you're a good I shouldn't say that. But you'd be worried about me. I was dressed in 
like the black and uh, had my hair down. I was filled with anger. My, my dad left me. He was never good at me, and I, and I just didn't trust anybody. I couldn't trust anybody, and yet my mom never gave up on me. I'm just, she, uh, she's also watching the stream. What's up, mom? So giving her credit. My mom never gave up on me, and she constantly loved me, and yet she always said, Jesus loves you. He's always there for you. And when you have a father like I am, when you live in a place that I did, when you lived in a home like I did, no, I'm, I'm okay. When you've done the stuff that I've done, when you had the desires that I've had, to say that after all of that, to come to Christ at 17, when everything that you've done is to say that, no, this is my destiny, this is where I live, this is exactly where my life is going to go. For Jesus to pull you up and to say, you are worthy enough to serve me, even though you are a human being, I love you. How much more love can we give to Jesus? That he picks you up from your own self, picks you up from your own spiral in your own mind. And to say that you are special because I have given you new life. I know I've said it at least five times this sermon. I am nothing special. Please do not look at me and say that I'll never be like that. I am nothing special. I've, wor- I've lived a worse life than you have. Let's talk about it, right? I am nothing special. Every single good that you've done or every single good that you see in me, not me. It's all Jesus. It's not me. It's all God. Anytime you compliment me, I appreciate it. I very much do. I do. I really do. I appreciate all the compliments that you've given me. But I also want you to reflect back that to Christ and say, praise Jesus Praise Jesus for what he has done for Soulfire. Praise Jesus for what he's done for this church. Praise Jesus for everything that is good in this church, in this building, in Long Island. Praise Jesus for everything of that because I'm nothing special outside of Christ. We are nothing special outside of Christ. You're right to think that, yes, I'm a fleshly person. Yes, I've done so many things in my life. You're right to think that. But Jesus gave you a new life. Be like Paul and just say that, you're right, everything I do, I can't do. You're right, everything I hate to do, I keep doing. You're right, I'm nothing. Reflecting on those last words, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, to God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is not to draw a line with excuse. This is not to say that you can keep serving Christ and just say, oh, messed up. Who knew? I'm still a slave to sin. This is not a line of excuse. But this is glory back to God that you are nothing outside of Christ. 
You can do nothing good outside of Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, let us just reflect in our own minds to know that we need you, Lord, that we need you as a Savior, that we need you as our Lord in our life to, to reign us in. God, just be in us. Just let us feel your presence. Just come, <laughs> sorry, uh, just come into our hearts and just let us understand who you are. Lord, we just uh, love you and praise you and we just want to be more like your son. Just help us to do that. Help us to look back at you. Let us to look at you constantly every single day and say, God, what am I to do today? What am I to do in this month? What am I to do in this year? Let us reflect upon you and not our own self. Pray all this in your name and your name alone. Amen. I believe uh,